I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> I absolutely fucking hate cup holders. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was your suggestion. Of uh, course your suggestion. Hello and welcome to the Collecting Addicts podcast, episode number 26. Straight off with the F1, I think. It was the British Grand Prix of the weekend. I know we had F1 first last week, but come on, it's F1 season. Lots to discuss here. Now, normally I go straight to Manage because he's the F1 guru, but this time I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go straight, I think, to Chris Cooper and ask him, Cara Delevingne. Yeah. Probably the most beautiful woman on the planet, but it didn't yeah. quite work out on the grid. So what we learned... In that episode, I'm sure everybody saw it when um, Martin Brundle marched up to, because she was being minded by an Alfa Romeo person, not one of her. And it reminded everybody of Megan the Stallion. Yep. When Martin coined that great phrase on the grid at uh, Austin a few years ago, when the bloke said to him about Megan the Stallion, you can't speak to her. And he already had. And he said, I have, and therefore I can, or something like that. I want a classic word. So... But it taught us a really simple lesson. Turns out anybody can be a PR in F1 because all you have to tell your charges, if Martin Brundle comes along the grid and says hello, just say something nice, pleasant and short. Otherwise, everyone's going to think you're a dick. Yeah. It was, um, and the yeah. irritating bit is there was I saw on TikTok um, afterwards that Alpha themselves have put out quite a long little clip they thing did, yeah. about her having a hot lap and actually getting into the car. So she had lots to say. She could have said, hey, I didn't realise it was so comfy in this car and the hot laps are great and they're so fast and you motor racing guys are really cool. She, she, also, post, she also posted afterwards on her social media that she had been told to say no on the grid. That, that was true. But so, so, so the, and I've, I did, really? on, cause we're all now on, on what's the new uh, Twitter called Edward. Threads. Threads. So I posted on, I posted on threads that I thought the blame, if that was the case, lay with F1 and not with her, because surely the, the, the only contractual obligation okay. to go on the grid should be if someone from the telly box walks up brandishing a microphone, 
Say something nice or just say something helpful. Well, she's a well-brought-up young lady. If somebody come up to her and said, look, somebody, particularly she must know who he is. Somebody must have said, oh, that's Martin Rundle. He's the legend. You would just say, oh, hi, how are you? And just be very, very pleasant. So that's kind of the first thing we learned. It turns out the PR is really easy. Just tell anybody, if Martin comes up and says hello, just say hello. Otherwise, the whole world will know you're not very friendly. She is very well brought up and she's English and she must know, as you say, who he is. The thing that slightly prickled me was um, she did look across at this Alfa Romeo bloke. You do see him in that um, Instagram. So he's obviously some form of PR. Yeah. Um, I can't remember whether he said no, but she certainly goes no. And then the next line is, I can't hear you. Oh, I can't, I hear, can't hear you. Yeah. I don't know whether that was directed. That was really... Yeah, I thought that was just really fucking rude, actually. That was just digging a hole. Digging I, saw, a I saw an old <laughs> clip um, posted today with uh, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. I can't remember what Grand Prix that was, but he had obviously been briefed the opposite, which yeah. when you see Martin Brundle, can you go and flatter him, please? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit like Brad Pitt did as well. Brad Pitt bit was over the top. It was almost like he was on his knees at one point. It was, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to say, um, because we're recording this, with now the news that poor old um, Nick Debris has got the bin. <laughs> and it doesn't tell us anything we didn't know about the brutal lack of sentimentality or maybe even common sense of Helmut Marco. I mean, he really does have a puppy farm somewhere, whatever that cartoon was about a few years ago. And it was felt inevitable, but it still felt... You know, it, once you pick your driver, and it's clearly big decisions for them, the single biggest determinant of driver performance, once you've picked them, is confidence. Mm. It's really simple. We all know it, whether you're driving on the way to school or you're driving on track or in F1, we all know it's confidence. And it just feels utterly counterproductive to constantly put the drivers under, and particularly in that case, with him to constantly work away eroding confidence. You're only going to end up in one place with the poor bloke. He must have felt absolutely shit. He must have got up every Grand Prix with thinking, is it this weekend they're going to fire me? So if there's one lesson that I hope somebody in Red Bull can help Helmer understand, I know he doesn't think this way, but once you've picked your driver, nothing else is going to change their performance other than confidence. The end. You're, and you I'm know, really sorry for Nick de Vries. That but also, it's the Dutch. It's a Dutch Grand Prix coming up. You know that is kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? That would have been a great race for him. I. Yeah. Do you think anyone else in, in this on, on this screen now, five of us, can say that? Well, could could any of us agree that if if we had been shown that little support or given such a such a brief chance at a job? I wouldn't have ever had a job. I think, I think I'm, 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 a, I'm a very, very sensitive Cancerian filmmaker. I'd have been crushed. I mean, absolutely crushed after yeah. the first Grand Prix. Can you? I mean, but the other, the other thing, though, Chris, you're right. It is a matter of confidence. It's also a matter of slightly. It's a matter of life and death. I mean, these guys get into a car every single time they drive. I've moaned about the weight of the car and this and that. But the truth is, you can kill yourself in one of these. Yeah. So you're showing a hell of a lot of faith in your team every time you get into a car. And I think that has to come back. Yeah. I wasn't, mean, he wasn't very good, though, was he? No. Yeah. 
They're all good. I mean, this, this is Darwinistic. This no, is they're, the, they're all good. They're all good. And, and I, I don't think the car's very good. He was no, making... But they're all good. But if he's 99.1 and everyone else is 99.7, he's going to be shit, isn't he? Yeah, he's better than that. And I do love it when Neil plays devil's advocate. But on this on this occasion, I will bite. I think... It, I think... Um, I just don't, I think, I think Mr. Marco is a bit inconsistent, if I'm honest with you. I think, you know, Sonoda was given a lot more of a chance because Honda was paying yeah. for engines. Now that's out the door, Mr. Marco can be a bit more brutal. Let's face it, for his summer holidays, he probably goes seal clubbing or something. You know, he's, he's, he's an absolute, he's just <laughs> yeah. the last, that image of him trying to push a photographer out the way on Instagram today. Wasn't that? that the, look, the look on his yeah, face yeah. is just like, he's going to bite his head off or something. Yeah. So, so you know, he, he may be a mercurial genius. Also, if someone, one of us should go back and maybe scrutinise Mr. Marco's career, because I suspect he was probably shown some goodwill and some support. I bet every single race he didn't finish first, did he? Yeah. Um, but I think De Vries, come on, he, he, he wasn't given enough of a chance. The car hasn't been very good. No. And I, I don't know what it, it's, it's, it's also, it's a very interesting move from an organization that wants to present itself as being fun. They're the nice guys of the paddock. When you go and visit them in F1, they're having more fun than everyone else. They're really good at that. But it seems but to that, me underneath. Chris, da, da, Daniel Kvyat, Alex Albon, you know, I mean, the list is just, you know, it's endless. amazing. Gasly. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, a lot. Gasly, who yeah. I love. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really understand though because it, what what is there two Red Bull teams? Yeah, yeah. What is, what's the other one then? AlphaTauri. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was Alfa Romeo. No, 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 no. Toro Rosso. And then they changed the name. Oh. Hey, AlphaTauri is their is their not very successful fashion brand, which is ending at the end of the year. There's a huge yeah, developing drivers and fucking up things that, so they don't fuck up the main things. So yeah. Dan, yeah. Danny Ricardo's getting the seat, is he? Yeah, he's got it. Well, he might have been on a promise to say, look, if you act like a prat for the first half of the year when we ask you to, we'll get you a drive for the second half of the year. So, get this. A well-known TV journalist has just said that he thinks this is part of a bigger play to destabilise Checo. So what they do is they bring Daniel Ricciardo back and they're warming him up because I'm going to let him just go straight into a Red Bull. So they're going to give him a few races in the Alpha Tori, and he's just going to be there looking at the big team from the corner of his eyes, going, I'm sure that's where true. Where are you qualifying? Oh, yeah. Where are you qualifying? The other no. side of it is, if it wasn't a sh- pond full of piranhas, we wouldn't want to talk about it, would we? So no. I do, and I do think at the very, very top, it's cutthroat. But what's normally in, in cutthroat organizations, we're dealing with poor people in their 40s, 50s, 60s years old. What's different here is these are, they're like children. And yeah. they're exposed to a kind of corporate brutality, you know, that that is is unspeakable at times, and they're they're barely out of their twenties. Yeah, there could was a nice moment. Bankers? Sorry, sorry, Manish, you go on. No, I was just saying. Could you imagine two people in identical jobs? Okay, and what you say to them is, um, when you come and work for my company, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to put all of your work out to the general public to have a look at. Not only that, we're going to get journalists to scrutinise your working out for your work. And they're going to just monitor every single thing that they do. That's, the, that's do the job. I mean, what are we talking about? That's what they do. That's what they it's do. Got be, okay, it's terrible. Isn't it terrible? Then, then they should go and get a job in a shop or something. A few, there's a, there's a, I'm, I'm with Monkey on this one. I, I, like, I like the contrary curi- curiosity and challenge in that Neil, but the the data points sort of point the other way. 
because Albon, there was a really nice part, actually it was a really nice part of the weekend I saw. It was an interview after the race with Piastri and Albon, where the two of them were you know, just like young kids, because they are young kids, talking about their sport, saying, hey, you had a great weekend, I had a great weekend, hey, and Oscar said to Alex, yeah, on Saturday, we thought you were genuinely number two pace. He said, yes, but we didn't know. And they're both saying, we don't quite know why we're so quick. And just the, the, the conversation, the spirit between them, I know it's a really old-fashioned word. It was really nice and positive. And, and Alex, is he was clearly crushed, as Gasly was. I mean, putting Ricardo back in that car just seems to be – I know he's the reserve driver of Red Bull, but that just seems to be nonsense. I, 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 there is no sphere in life where undermining and weakening the confidence and showing lack of faith and lack of confidence in the driver, the employee, the colleague – is in the long run going to pay back? That I'm with any- Neil. I'm has with been, Neil. Has but he Boo, been doing that? It's a big bad world out there, and at least we've got to talk about something. We got two Brits on the podium. Lando, we should <laughs> talk about Lando. Really, oh, dear, 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 dear. it's all about Lando. Talk about Lando, Neil. Well, I just think it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant for McLaren. Yeah, brilliant for Lando. You know. Um, Second on the po- almost pole, you know, we're all watching the quali, weren't we? Switching over from the cricket, like, you know, trying to watch both at the same time or one on the iPad and the TV on the, the cricket. But we all thought, and then obviously Max comes, stamps the, you know, the spider in the corner of the room and gets pole because he's just a bit better than everyone else. And But then to for, for Lando to take the lead on the first or second corner, whatever it was, it was great, wasn't it? And one, yeah. Yeah. Mega. Yeah, and actually, Oscar, looking at it again, if Oscar, as they went off the line, of the three of them, he had the rocket ship start, and he kind of went to the right and got stuck between both of them. If he just held his line, I mean, he's massive sort of hindsight, and Max had gone to the right, Oscar would have taken turn one in the lead. I mean, his start, and he nearly got him at uh, Luffield, Nearly got him at cops. It was, and then the. Well, then he then he did a classic deliberate radio message where he where he could just say, "I'm going to stay here for the good of the team." Yeah, he, he, yeah. he, he, he learned something bit, then. Yeah, he, he might he might have been a bit quicker. And actually, now that move that not going to Renault move looks quite sharp, doesn't it? It's amazing it how it changes. Yeah, yeah. but how sick must Mercedes feel that McLaren, with one bound, have put a bolted performance onto the car? using their engine. I mean, yeah. there must be a way that Mercedes can now, when they deliver the engines for next weekend, they suddenly are down 20 horsepower. You'd have to have, a, you'd have to do something. That's the weird thing about Formula One is that the Mercedes is supplying the engine to that, to those people. Can I, can I just, just also with, um, if we're talking about Mercedes engine cars, if you look at the Mr. Lovely in Formula One, Fernando Alonso, He's blossomed into even Mr. Even Lovelier. Have you seen? Because they, they've kind of gone backwards, haven't they? But um, did you see what he said? Well, you know, can't be on the podium every race, guys. It's a wonderful season. I mean, this is just Fernando Poppins. That must, just... that must mean that he knows that in Hungary they're going to be back up there again, doesn't it? Otherwise, yeah. it's so sweet. I was told he gets a million quid every time he's on the podium. Really? I was told that. It's probably yeah, bollocks. I can see that. That's probably fair value, isn't it? That was the same deal that um, that uh, Kimmy did, wasn't it, about points at Lotus? Yeah. 
And apparently the bill at the end of the year was something like 24 million quid, wasn't it? Yeah. You might have that along his pocket money allowance. We'll just take it out of there and put it over there. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, the general synopsis of the race, I thought there was some, I thought that last, a safety car with 10 laps to go isn't far off a bit of rain, is it? It's, it's the yeah. closest thing to rain for action. Yeah. They all yeah. get a bit racy. We also have the lovely. I thought if you're if you're a bit more of a strategist, the idea of the McLaren going onto the hard tire, and then that meant that Lewis had pace initially. Then he burnt his rears up, and then Lando made that tire work. And then you also had Horner saying Lando was so impressive on that hard tire that maybe if it had gone on a bit longer, he might he was catching Max. Um, yeah, it's a bit of intrigue, and also the British Grand Prix always fucking delivers. It yes. does. It's, 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 yes. a, it's a brilliant circuit for a Formula One car. It does work yeah, really it well. Yeah. yeah, even shit one and shit two work. The only bad bit for me was the national anthem. Oh, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to listen to it. Oh. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, I don't like moaning, but that was that was a bit of a shock. That's it a was, bad call. That. Was it a bet? Was it a bet? It must have been between I him and the I saw him interviewed Reeves. before the Grand Prix, and he said, "We're gonna, we're gonna put a bit of a twist on it. I've got a new album coming out." That, you that, know, that, there, that, are, there are some things that you, you know, you can have a bit of a giggle with and twist them and modernise them, and we're going to talk a bit about that later, aren't we? Not the fucking national anthem. There's two things you should just, always leave alone, just, man. Just do it properly. Two things. You know, I know you all agree with me on this. One, national anthems. Two, hummus. Leave them alone. Don't put roasted peppers and shit in hummus. Hummus is just ground yeah. up peas. Leave them as they are, mate. Don't I put. Really I quite like hummus biruti though. If you've had that one, which was slightly spicy, it's very good. You just pause. There you go. Different thing. Love it here. Right. Okay. Um, well, I thought, I, and I, I saw the attendance was the best ever. Um, Four hundred and eighty, nearly half a million people over the weekend. Can you imagine that at about an average of one hundred and twenty-five pounds a pop if you go low average. Yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. I live directly under the helicopter line. Yeah, likewise into London, and it is is brilliant seeing all those Augusta one hundred and nines. It was like the last days of Saigon on Sunday because I live not far from Neil, a bit further towards Battersea. It was a straight line from Battersea to Toaster. It was like we live in um, we live in North London, and we had, I think, the American president's entourage fly over our garden. I know because I found my teeth in the drain. It was just unbelievable. Well, he came, he came in on Sunday afternoon. Thing. Yeah. So I, loud. I tracked, I tracked so. the Air Force One, came down, came down over North Wales. When you say came down over North Wales? Um, not, not quite in that manner, no. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, don't do the national anthem like that. No, no. I, I, can, I completely agree with you. If you try and, try and put a twist on something, no. Nah. Um, so, next subject. This is a bit verbose, but I'm going to try and summarise it. Car design. Uh, and I'm going to put it in the context of a car that Ferrari unveiled, I think, last week, which is the SF90XX. It's their first XX model that can be used uh, on the road. Uh, so, effectively, it's a step on beyond your Challenge Stradale, Scuderia, whatever you want to call it thing. It's, it's their high-performance version of the SF90, which sounds strange anyway, because it's a car that breaks your neck when you accelerate already. Um, I think it looks like a dog's dinner, but I have a suspicion that that design language of having stuff hanging off it and looking like it's a tuna car really appeals to younger people. And every car maker at the moment is obsessed with bringing in a younger audience. So should old sods like me and us accept the fact that maybe pure, simple, clean design is a thing of the past? Because young people and 
Chinese market aren't interested. They want cars to look, for want of a better word, um, not very gracious. So uh, I'll put this to Neil Clifford, who's someone who will have a view on this. I'm oh. not sure which way it was going to go, though. I really, I really can't conclude this. I mean, I love most modern cars, but then when I do that list of what I adore, it's a P1. It's a 918. I mean, LaFerrari is one of the most beautiful Ferraris ever, right? Um, I don't even mind the SP30. I think Ferrari probably are the culprits mainly on this conversation. The post-Pinaferina internal design office Manzoni thing, I think it has gone a little bit negative. But you, it's almost impossible to criticize. It's like criticizing Apple, isn't it? It's such an incredibly successful company. I think SF90 is the worst thing they've done. I borrowed one for a bit. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't. Morphe Richards like toast their interior. There's no luggage space. It's too bloody far. Someone designed the back. Someone designed the front. They didn't have a chat in the middle, did they? It's really bad. But then two nine six is pretty good. Yeah. I think I, 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 Roma, I, wanna, I, I didn't like Rome in the beginning, but actually Rome was pretty good. But I'm talking about, I, I want to get outside of Ferrari because there are other car companies. And see, Ferrari, SP the 30, the Daytona, is a simple design. I think I think I'm talking about when 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 these car companies make such a such brutal looking cars or add so much shit onto them, it almost looks like a tuner car. BMW M are the same. Like when they when the M3 came out. And they and it had an optional wing on it and the four exhausts like in a Lexus. I was just thinking, who the hell I thinks that? I think good? wing is difficult. Wing is the difficult thing. I think yeah. that that new SF90, whatever it's called. I mean, I know the pictures we saw that were that hideous blue and the yellow around the wheels or whatever. It does look utter shit. <laughs> I um Chris, I think what one thing that's always surprised me, or well, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but the manufacturers have so much knowledge and data on their consumers from around the world. Yeah. And, you know, this is about profit. Yeah. And if they see an opportunity in a market that they're not currently in and they have to put two fingers up to their loyal customers, they'll do it. I, I stood on the stage when Montezemolo presented the FF to the Ferrari dealers Ooh. and he said, this is not for the old Ferrari customers. I don't care about the old Ferrari customers. This is for the new Ferrari customers. And I, I think, you know, those that you're right with the the M, the, even the, the the new M2 and these this crazy aftermarket, sort of aftermarket look, dealer fitted accessory exhaust kit. And it, it sort of ruins actually what, what, what was quite an ugly car that we had an opinion of a few months ago to yeah. now you've got one at the moment and think that M2 now looks quite good in its standard shape, but then they go and stick all this aftermarket stuff on it. It's like, that's, it looks like a dog's dinner again. There's a lot of consistency in the comments as well. That Whenever I say that a, a really aggressive piece of go-faster design looks rubbish, or I suggest it's a bit questionable, every young person that, that comments on my stuff just goes, old man, retire, old yeah, man, maybe, the old maybe they're right. Um, um, and I think what one one thing I will say, and this does unfortunately come back to Ferrari, and there's there's not any other manner. And I, you know, I've just come back from Donington today, where there's a, a, a massive array of customers up there, and and I spoke to someone I know quite well, 
And and this to me just makes the whole sport of buying a new Ferrari very ugly. You know, he's buying Roma's SF90s and whatever else he is told to buy so he can get the next thing. So Ferrari can almost do no wrong. The customers who want the next best thing are never going to be critical about the car because no. they're afraid they won't get the car either that's the really cool one or the one with the biggest profit in it so i think a lot of the truth that you'll find from real ferrari customers is hidden in their inner bowels because they can't let it out it's it's <laughs> it's true and very clever of ferrari in all fairness brilliantly as a doctor so, yeah. i'd like to ask what an external bowel is exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a picture. McLaren 720S. I mean, I know we're going back a bit, but that was that was a bit of a mistake, wasn't it? That that was a rough old design, wasn't it? Coming from six seven five into that. I mean, so yeah. I suppose there is there is a maybe it's just trying to be different, or maybe we are just old farts. Maybe we're loose to more elegant smoother things it's all about those sort of juxtapose of angles isn't it too complex i also uh, think it was like when I, when we we'll obviously come to our two car garage later on but a lot of these things come back you know you 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 think they're ugly today and you know in time you start thinking actually i, I, I quite like that now um there's, there's not that many cars out there that i really dislike I, I did a Chris Cooper thing yesterday. I got my son, uh, I asked my son if he would have a look. I'm sorry to bring it back to Ferrari, but I, I just wanted to literally deal with a question as you'd written it, yeah. which is great car design appeal to all ages. So what I did was I just showed him some Ferraris, starting with the 125. You know, I just picked pick them sort of, you know, at intervals. And it was very interesting to see what he thought looked great. Yeah. And he absolutely loved, uh, he didn't like the 125, so the front looks like a toy dad. I don't really yeah. understand that square grill. He sort of thought the back was okay. I quickly snuck in. I then went to a 500TR and a 315, and he went, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. He just loved the lines and the curves. I showed him a Maserati 3500 GT mm -hmm. um, with the hard roof. He didn't like that. He thought it looked a bit American, which I thought was quite an interesting comment. He didn't like the Berlinetta Boxer, which shocked oh, me. Yeah. No, I'm an idiot. I put him up for adoption. You can't here. be yourself. <laughs> I think you should adopt him. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. But, um, but the, the, you know what he said? He said, the front is trying too hard to look like a Kuntash. I quite like the back, Dad, which I didn't really understand. When I showed him a pure profile, he thought it was pretty. He loved, he loved the 308. He said, God, that is beautiful, Dad. That's yeah. absolutely beautiful. And then it started to go a bit wrong. He didn't like the Testarossa at all. Mm. Um, he really didn't like it. He just, he just didn't do it for him. He just thought it looked all wrong. He really didn't like the Roma. He said, that looks like a Jag, Dad. Uh, just, that, that's what it looks Ooh. like to him. That's a low blow. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said. He said he, of the Roma. And he really, really, really didn't like the SF90. I didn't even take him to the XX. And it, it was quite funny. The last of the kind of very modern Ferraris that he liked was actually, he thought the LaFerrari had something. You know, whatever it was, he just thought it had something. And I, I he's 17. 
And, um, you know, he draws and paints a bit. I mean, he's got an eye. And I, I thought it was just really fascinating to see what a teenager thinks of these. So I, I think what I'm saying is a sweet spot for him is somewhere between the late 50s and the kind of pre-Tusteros 80s. He loves those shapes in general. Um, Monza was good. The new Monza. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty cool that. But it, it's I, I think to, to sort of link in what, what everyone said and, and what, what Edward came out with at the beginning, which I agree with, is car companies, they know much more about making cars than we ever want to give them credit for. <laughs> they know what the mark they know and they know what the market is about. We all think we know better, but we don't. Um, but I do believe that one of the most consistent behavior among the, the car companies that are successful at the moment seems to be they've they've worked out that it's much you, you can to bring in new customers, younger customers you have to do something brave and, and you have to believe that you won't necessarily alienate the old buggers. They'll come round to like those shapes eventually. But if you just keep making shit that appeals to old people, you'll never get the young customers on board. And, that, and I think the M, I think BMW has proved that, you know, we all said, Oh, that new M3 won't sell. It's doing very, very well. And I think because everyone's gone, do you know what? It, it drives brilliantly. I'm getting a bit used it's to an M3. Still. Yeah, I, I and I, but actually, that was that's a that's one of the bravest mass market products I've seen. Yeah, in yeah. Because when <laughs> they showed the first pictures, we all went, "That's terrible." So Porsche I, I don't think do it, though, do they? Porsche don't have that strategy. Porsche are more consistent. More hold on a minute. The original Panamera was one of the most controversial cars yeah, that was released. Shit. Everyone yeah, just said, "What's this?" Twenty years shite? ago, I'm talking about now. Well, not now, but, Por- but relatively what, recently. What Porsche did with the Panamera was arguably the bravest thing I've seen. Since I've been doing this job, everyone just said, "What is this?" It's we all yeah. went. It's terrible. It did look like a whale. It looked like a. It looked <laughs> it like, does a, look like a whale. Bloody yeah. good car, though. Yeah, so your question, car. your question, Chris, was: Should great car design appeal to all ages? Great yeah. car design does appeal to all ages. Yeah. End of. Yeah. We all know that, and I think this. I mean, I spent a bit of time in this sort of stuff in my day job, which is the whole kind of data and analytics because it's become and how people interpret it. And there's an awful lot, there's still somebody trying to, who's got a, a hypothesis or a prejudice or whatever. And it depends what they're solving for. And there's clearly because of the growth of social media and what, is it threads or whatever it is, the new Twitter, whatever it is, trying to cut through all that, you've got to try and be more dramatic and more provocative and so forth. But I think, the optimistic view is that great car design does appeal to all ages. Great car design, 911, 246 Dino, the Mini, original Mini, those are all great designs that still look great. So I kind of think part of this conversation we've always had back in the 70s and 80s, there have been people like us then saying, what is it about cars with vinyl roofs or high sort of waistlines on cars or low waistlines on cars or whatever it is? Um, but quality outs. We'd probably all be slagging off to Sierra if this was a 1983 podcast or something. That was fair, though. What about the concept for the Sierra? Someone find the name of that. I'll try and get it. The concept for the Sierra was an interesting-looking vehicle. How often do we we pose a question on this podcast and actually answer it? We'll move on. We've actually answered the question there. Can I just say, very quickly, Ben, our intern, and I walked home last week and 150 yards from where I live, there was a blue 456 MGTA. And, and well, it's an A. No, I know, no, no. So, but, 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 but Ben had never seen one in real life. He's 19 years old. And he said, God, that is so beautiful. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It was the auto that did it. This is the Ford Probe Three, which was the which was the concept for the Sierra. Yeah. No. Oh, look at that, oh. Woody Allen. I quite XR, like that XR Four I four door. It's got it's a five door XR Four I. That was the yeah. future, or the, the Mercure, or the Mercure Turbo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. First you, car. You your geek knowledge. It was the first car that Andy Rouse drove in British touring cars before the uh, the Cosworth became available. Was that a South African one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, moving on to a much more important question. Forget the F one. Forget all that car design bollocks. This is the real nitty gritty. <laughs> Neil Clifford, intake of breath. What's mm. your favourite cup holder? <laughs> I absolutely fucking hate cup holders. <laughs> I'm sure it was your suggestion. Uh, it's <laughs> it was your suggestion. No. Well, maybe I suggested it because I hate them. I wanted to discuss my hate. Okay, discuss. Oh. I never use them. I think they're terrible. Coffee should not be drunk in a car, ever. <laughs> Costa should be removed from every petrol station. Those hideous machines making buckets of shit coffee. <laughs> well, that's because it's shit coffee. You should I'd stand like, up and have an espresso. Yeah. I like it's, this, Neil. It's, it's, I like Italy this, Neil. I like this, Neil. I don't like nice Neil. I want angry Neil. No, but yeah. they're terrible. I refuse to have them, even when they're good, like, I don't know, let's say 991, you know, that when, when, you're, yeah. when you're lucky enough to pick up your 991, it's all gone wrong with 992, obviously, with the cup holder. But then you, you look at, look across to the passenger seat, and you go, oh, look, there's a little button there, and you press it, and these two little cup was actually very... Yeah, very German, brilliantly designed. I flicked it back in, and I'm fucking never using that. I'm never going to put a cup of coffee in that. I don't like cup holders at all. There's not one I like. <laughs> Tell you what, that is that is evangelical in its no, but, steel and its and its power. It's and, a, and, it's tr- and it's true. <laughs> I adore America. I adore America. I'd love to live there at some point, but it's the one import we've got from America that I find repulsive oh you wouldn't you wouldn't get a big gulp in a 991 cup holder though would you <laughs> no thankfully manish do you feel as powerfully about this as your colleague neil clifford absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> can anyone feel that powerfully about that cup holder i did yesterday i found a website called i think it's it's called bois i don't know if um anyone else has seen this but i just i had to copy this down it um, it was talking about the fact that um, 1957, the Cadillac Eldorado Brougham, plenty of ultra luxurious limousines had built-in bars, but the Brougham was the first to come out with a magnetized glove compartment door and a set of four metal tumblers. Oh. Then it says, but that all changed in 1983 when Chrysler invented the minivan, the Dodge Caravan and the Plymouth Voyager. Basically, the same car. That year, um, it says basically, it, it says that that is the car that gave us the cup holder. And then it went on to say, in 1994, there was a lawsuit and it was Liebeck versus McDonald's restaurants. I don't know if you remember That's this. It says, if you're coffee. too young to remember hot, the hot coffee case mm. or what happened, <clears throat> Or happened to spend a nice year in a cave in Pocanos. Stella Liebeck, a 79-year-old woman, sued McDonald's for damages after spilling a 180-degree Fahrenheit coffee on her lap in a stationary car. 
And that was the bit they got then. She got third degree burns from the spill and was awarded $2.7 million, which was reduced to $640,000 in appeal by the jury. So are coffee cup holders a good thing? Never used one, quite simply. Did you say coffee cup holders, though, Christopher? Well, no, I mean, no cup holders. Yeah, cup, holders. cup holders. Well, well, you know, but this is about coffee. But, 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 um, I did remember something. Audi Q5 has got the temperature regulated ones, and you can press it to three degrees or fifty-eight degrees. Really? So you change your mind? Yes. Yeah, yeah, run out of things to fix, yeah. haven't they? Thermal. Well, they don't break down. Thermal. I'm with. Like, well, we're, get, we're getting a pretty lukewarm response to this. We've got two negatives. I'm moving to Chris Cooper now. Do you? So, um. I was talking to somebody about our podcast who hadn't really seen it. I can't believe there was anybody left that hasn't. Okay. Um, how, do you and, see a, how do you see a podcast? And well, no, <laughs> On see, YouTube, see this. Christopher. Yeah. Put that bloody thing down, love it. Yeah, I haven't got mine in one of those yet. I want one of those. Oh, but and you can borrow mine said, for the week. And I said, how, describe it to me. He said, it's a bit nerdy. And I thought, it's a good thing. And I thought when I saw this question, I thought, is this peak nerd? Could be. I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure it is. I'll tell you what I thought was more nerdy was I think we should one day discuss our favorite the, the break hold function that is our favorite one in operation. I borrowed a range a, a new model Range Rover earlier on in the year. And in that one, You've got to program it in on the third level of the touchscreen. I know thing. what you're doing here. You're answer, doing it again. You've done this every question. week. I'm getting answer, there. No, 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 no. <laughs> answer the question now, Mr. C. <laughs> Finger of truth and justice is pointing at you. In the Range Rover, you have to program it in the third level. And when you actually then push the throttle, it sort of jerks off. And I thought, no. So the question is, have we reached peak nerd? No, yet. This is not jumping the shark yet with nerd. <laughs> so I'm therefore able quite happily to answer the question, what is your favorite car holder? Because I don't think we've reached yet peak nerd. The 991 cup it holder is, is my yeah. favorite cup holder. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it works. It's got that little expanding thing. And we've all talked about we love early morning drives. When you have an early morning drive, you've got like you know, this travel cut, like a, just a, like a seal thing, you put a lid on it, and it's yeah. sort of not like a paper one, it's like a reusable no, one. No, that's shit. You can't do that. Yes, you can. Just have your coffee and then yeah. get a cup of tea. Car. I love a cup of tea. If I'm going to drive in four hours He, he does like a cup of tea on the way down to Cornwall. He yeah, I do like a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. I love it. You don't have to have it, Neil. You don't have to have it, Neil. I'm going to I'm going to break into one of Neil's cars and leave coffee in the car. And you know, and Neil, when I when when you come down to Cornwall with me, just because I just because I love you so much, I'll forego my cup of tea. I might have mechanically removed the cup holders just because I love you so much. It doesn't mean I can't have a favorite. I mean, just stand up, have an espresso, and get in your car. That's it. it but it's okay. a cup of tea. Bet, a cup of tea is savour. Edward, you going to support me in this or not? We got this. This is not helpful. Well, I'm going to try. I'll try and get through this pretty quickly. First of all, if you need a coffee so much that you need to buy one and bring it into the car, you've got a coffee problem, and you should probably stop drinking it. If you're going to have a coffee, 
go and enjoy it and have a good coffee. A small flat white that's not too hot that you can drink in about a minute if you need to, or a quick espresso on the Italian or uh, the cappuccino on the Italian Autostrada is one Lovely. euro fifty. Lovely. It's the perfect temperature. You drink it, you go. It's so it's so easy. Yeah. The moment you put a hot drink in your car, you can't drive the car how you really want to drive the car. That's a big yes, problem. Well, you say that. I'll. Uh, I'll I'm, I don't okay. want to be in the car with yep. you when you do it because I'll be yep. in the passenger seat. Yeah, well, but not all of us are looking to invert cars. No, right? fine. But yeah. anyway, I did. Uh, so I, you've obviously put cup holder. And yeah, I'm, cup, I'm, not coffee. I don't need a cup holder personally, but I do want to give a you, little. Do you have bit a manservant that does it for you? I want to give a little bit of respect to my man Jay Z and Beyonce for their boat tail custom yeah. Rolls Royce for $28 million. The engineering that went into their champagne holder and flute holder, that's quite remarkable. And that, that, that's a commitment to an, yeah, an cool. addiction in the automotive world. $28 million. Being driven at the back in a, in a 600 Mercedes with a bottle of champagne, that's a different strategy, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll have that. I can't believe that just writing the word cup holder down on the agenda has caused quite so much negativity. So I'll try and let's try and lift it up a bit. I was hoping that one of us would maybe marvel in some of the lovely nerdy engineering that goes into these, the way these things fit into the cabin, because they used to be quite intrusive. But now yeah. there's clever mechanisms, there's cogs and they all move around. Even if you're using them, I think you can celebrate the art of making a cup holder and how it fits into a dashboard. So I'm going to propose one from the uh, from the late 90s, early noughties, that was my favourite as a road tester. And that was the Saab 9.5, which had this little, yes. little slat. And you pressed it, and it came out a sort of dihedral fashion and moved oh. to the horizontal. Yeah. It, and it, I, honestly, even if you didn't have a drink, you find yourself on the motorway going, I'm going to open it again, because it's yeah. so cool the way it comes My brother had one of those. And yeah, was, my brother was, had one of those. Mega. It was also, it, the movement was, the speed was regulated. So it didn't just come out and go, oh, I'm going flat. It came out and went, mm, mm. not yeah. electrical either. And I just thought the man or the woman that did that, yeah. I'd want them running my country. They just had they just had it down <laughs> pat. I was hoping that we'd have a love-in about this engineering. Instead, I've got yeah, a, I can. You a, me, a mate. polemic from Neil Clifford about you're a wanker if you fucking <laughs> have a coffee in the car. And then I just thought there'd be some love. I thought cup holders would bring us together. It's no. blown us apart. I thought the idea of having this thing in the evening was we were relaxed, we'd be a bit more... That's the end of this podcast. gyroscopic um, cup holder. So if you do a power slide, the, the cup sort of moves as, as you... Like get it, but I like off. it. Positivity, I like it. I like it. Yeah. But Chris, I, Harris, Chris Harris, it was Rishi Sunak's mum who designed that. Okay, no. Yes, your, your Saab thingy. And her son is running the country. Well, there you go. You never yeah. knew that. Um, just so, I, but I think in general, um, normally these, these bits of technology, if you want to call it, are at their best from where they originate. And the, the Americans do it best. And if you get in... I always think if you get in a, uh, you get taken somewhere in a massive Escalade and you go to America and you do an Uber black and it comes in Escalade and you get in it and you, you think this thing has no suspension. It's rather noisy. Then you look and you think, but the cup holder game in here is strong. Yeah. They know how to keep a, a beverage in a car. And it's a subject that's close to Neil Clifford's heart. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm, I'm Both. depressed. Move on. <laughs> okay, now I've got, I've got a bit of skin in the game here. I might take a hammering, but there we go. What resto mod does the world need? And which one does it not need? Neil Clifford, you're on a roll. Oh, bloody hell. Bloody <laughs> I'm going to be positive now. I actually love them all. I think it's like the greatest hits of automobiles, isn't it? You can't say that, I don't know, Adele doing a version of an Elton John song or whatever. It, I think they're all they're all great. I don't think there's one, maybe you guys will come up with ones that we don't like, but I think whether it be the Integrale or that 92A or the recent Diablo or obviously Singer, they're all bloody super. I love them. And I think, what 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 is it? I suppose you could say that's a bit of a lack of imagination of the current cars if we have to go back and copy things. Maybe that's a thing to talk about. It happens in my industry, in footwear. It happens in music. It happens in handbags. It happens in car auction sites. Yeah. You know, and, and I think... Maybe that's a negative thing to talk about. But if you look at the actual cars, you'd love to drive around in that new 928 because the problem is you buy a current 928, and I know it's 50 grand probably versus like 500 grand or something. You drive a 928 now, they look amazing and they're a bit shit. <laughs> and, you you know, you drive a, I don't know, Lancia 037, maybe that's not a bit shit. But a lot of the cars that look lovely and we, that's a subject to talk about. I can really bang on about that. They look great, but they're not great. Yeah, they're it's disappointing not to drive. Ah, so can I, ask, can I ask a question here, Neil? Is, yes. is resto modding de-shitting old cars so they can be used like new cars, or should they be tweaking with the aesthetics as well? Well, they do tweak, tweak with the uh, tweak, tweak. They do tweak, tweak, tweak. With the aesthetics, don't they? I mean, you would have thought that if ever there was not a car that you could make something as a resto mod is a 911, because there are so many irrit- uh, versions of a 911, right? The Targas, the Turbos, the 906, the 907, the 9. We can all bang on. We can. I once wrote the list on a big AIDS 2 piece of paper for my son, every single 911, of every single model of 911. It sort of took three hours. But then along comes Rob, Rob Dickinson, who creates just the perfect bloody thing because it's got every good bit and it's you know it's just gorgeous and i think if anyone's ever driven a singer or seen a singer or whatever they are bloody fantastic they are 
But to answer, but to take what you said, Neil and and Chris, to think about what you just said, de-shittifying an old car to make it go and look as well as you think it should is kind of the essence of resto mod. So that's why nine six fours don't look that great, really. Oh, that's to... a big discussion. Yeah, I, it is I a big discussion. I can't agree with you there. I think no, that's no. better by the day. Does it? Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I just the, the green one you had. You know that. Tut Hill car you had back in 2007. Kermit. Before. That wasn't, that wasn't a 964. That was a. No, I know, but people want to make them look like that. The ST with the big arches. So they take they take the 964 body work off and make them look older and work. Where I think the boundary lies is what Singer have done with the 9345. It's too, to me personally, it's just a matter of taste. It's too cartoonish. It's yeah. kind of the wheels look too big. It's sort of. If you saw one of those cartoon exaggerations of art, well, that's kind of where they are. So what's it? I, I think I see why they're doing it. They've got to do something else. They've got to create and renew interest. But for me, it's just some of the form, some of its shape is about form rather than function. When Singer first arrived, I agree with you, they were stunning. There was nothing out of line or out of proportion and it did exactly what it said on the tin. This The 9345, I love the idea of it. But it's sort of, it's become a bit cartoonish. Wheels are too big. The bodywork is too exaggerated. It just sort of, that sort of feels. Um, but de-shittifying is a great reason to rest in mod. Like Aston Martin, you know, the late 80s vantages. I love the idea of that, but I know I'd find it a bit disappointing to drive. It'd be slightly too heavy. The steering would be too slow. It would pitch and roll too much. Oh, it's a good chassis, car. Yeah, chassis. It'd be a lovely thing, but it would just be, it's not quite as good as I hoped it would be. So something that left it looking like the brute that it is, but drove in a slight, that would be fantastic. Rest of mod, do all of those. The only tricky one, really, if I want to find one little thing in my brain, that's is that DB5, DB6 thing on a Jag thing. That's a bit oh. tricky, that. Is that what the... Um, that's not so easy, you know, bless everyone that owns one, but that's not so easy, that thing. Apart from that, I can't think of many that I don't like. I mean, that... What about the principle, of, the, that, the principle that, of putting an electric engine in, too? No, I can't. No. I mean, that's just got to be wrong, hasn't it? That's definitely we, wrong. Just we've as covered, a rest of we've covered content. that before. And I, that, and I that, think D, that. that DB5 one is interesting. I agree, totally agree with you, Neil, but obviously the, the stunt cars, am I right, Chris, that say they put like E46 M3s underneath the body? Yeah, they did, but they also made sure the wheelbase was the right length. And you, the problem is, if you take another car's wheelbase and put another body on it, you got a massive problem to start with. Yeah, yeah. You don't realise that most people don't understand wheelbase lengths, but instinctively their eyes know exactly what's right or wrong. Yeah. When you see a wheelbase, you don't. You might not know it, but you know if it's right or wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I, the 9345 thing, you know, I've got, a, I've got a small singer hat still, and I, I totally get why they've, they've wanted to make an extreme car. Yeah. I think that as an organisation, they've not done anything batshit crazy, and this is their chance to do it. Um, I and I suppose the, 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 whether it's successful or not will be based on whether they sell them all. And I'm sure they sell all of them. I think they will. Um, but I think I, I think there is a limit to the resto mod game. It's a you know it's a bit like car auction platforms. Edward. Once one starts to succeed, everyone else wants a piece of the action, don't they? Um, and I think the resto mod world, 15, 20 years ago, when when, when Richard Tuttle and I decided to take make an old make a car that looked like an old 911 have the dynamics of a modern car. Everyone went, well, that's a really good idea, but no one was really trying to do it. 
and I'm not saying that we we started the trend, but even Rob Dickinson will acknowledge the fact that Kermit was in the back of his mind when he was starting to yeah. do what he was doing. Yeah, I think it's there's just there's too many people doing it now, and because there's too many people doing it, inevitably some of the stuff that's coming out is is just getting underneath the radar in a, in a way that maybe it needs a bit more scrutiny. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more negative around some of it. I won't call any out. Well, I, actually, do you know what? There's that Bentley thing that I've, I, I struggle with a bit. Um, sent you a photo of that. I think that's a bit dodgy looking. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it yesterday, yeah. I think also the Arresto mod it always, has to, always has to demonstrate the fact that the person that did it or the team that did it fundamentally respects the base vehicle on which they work on and that they want to yeah. bring out something that might not have been there. If, they, if they're looking to correct the vehicle in some way or do something that they feel wasn't right in the first place, I always think that shows because it, it doesn't come across as being sincere or kind. It comes across as being fundamentally critical. And I don't think that works on a resto mod. I don't no, know just one example of where you might be wrong oh, is the car that we talked about last week, which is, you know, we talked about Land Rovers and we all waved the flag and you just said they're all shit, basically. I did look up a bunch of resto mod Land Rovers and that's something where I think people really have spent a bit of time probably crossing the line that you've just talked about. Because yeah. they are, you know, they are super duper 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 resto mod, you know, Chevy engines, leather seats, but they do seem to work. You know, yeah. big brakes that actually work, and they do yeah. go up hills, and they do go downhills, and they stop. You know, and uh, there was one I saw yesterday. I I slightly fell in love with it. It was this iconic Defender V8. Have you seen it? Yeah, American. Yeah. That teal blue. It's beautiful. Yeah, they, they do. Taste, there's some tasteful stuff they do. I yeah. think um, I've written a few down. Like the we obviously the uh, Diablo Eccentrica. I've only seen the pictures, but the details mm. and the attention to detail looks amazing. I, you know, Chris and I spoke earlier today just talking about Singer and, and how, why is a 964, you know, 60 grand and then a Singer, which it's based on, is 1.2 million quid. You know, it's yeah. mind-blowing that you can add mm. so much value. But as Chris pointed out, you know, Singer was a massive loss-making exercise to start with. You know, the car was way too cheap. It was like three or four hundred thousand dollars the early ones, and now the latest ones uh, that, that they're delivering today are, are over a million dollars. But the engineering, the development, the attention to detail that's gone into making that car, most people that are entering this space just do not have that same level of attention to detail yeah. to produce something so fucking magical um I, I did there was a metatronic um 280sl pagoda uh at uh at donington today they with, do a with, job with, don't they how much yeah, of those new amg um engine in it Fantastic. Um, and uh, the build quality yeah beautiful and they, must be they absolutely would have considered about the brakes and everything because you know how you much for one of those would, say how that much, again how much for one of those I, i'm guessing five hundred thousand euros at least yeah. I think it's brilliant, that. Yeah. yeah, they've done a great job. Okay, so the part of the question was, which ones does the world need? I think we should just propose one. I've got I've got one that's always stuck in my mind. It's a car that we, we reference now and again. But I want a car that drives like my M5 CS, but looks like a 500E W124. That is my, that's my perfect car. I want the dynamics of, a, of an absolutely modern Four-wheel drive, seven hundred horsepower saloon car. Yes. It looks like a W one two four. That's that's the, someone make me that, and I'm done. Five hundred. Yeah. 
Okay, it, my, just, my, I'm going to do my take, Chris, if you don't mind. That's just to make sure no one else takes it. <laughs> but you said it earlier on, X-Pac Vantage that probably drives like an M5 CS. Yeah. And, the, and the funny thing is... Just come out today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. a, a big respect for them for building that that uh, that car. But yeah, that's that's like the, Aston Martin's new 1.2 million pound. What's it called? The Val- Val- Valor. 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 The Valor, not the Valor or the Vol. We could get in trouble there. Yeah. Um, uh, Neil Clifford. Oh, I would have a E30 M3 Sport. Yeah. But with a decent fucking engine, because <laughs> that's such a shit car. And I've had two of the, I've had two of the bloody things. But if if there was, I don't know, even an Alpha V six three hundred horsepower um, Alpha Holics bloody engine in it or something, it would be. It would, I know it's a, just a three hundred horsepower. Well, there's that guy called Is it Redux? Redux that does. Yeah. He yeah. does one. Um, I, Very expensive. I'd like to have a go in that. It's still not quite enough. I don't yeah, think it's not. Yeah. Okay, Chris yeah. Cooper, what was yours be? So, well, I kind of hinted it a minute ago. It would kind, of, it would be a late nineties X Pack style V eight Vantage with a bit less weight, a bit more stiffness in the chassis, a lot less weight, a lot <laughs> less weight, um, and just modern views on damping. I mean, some bits of that you could do. Bit more power, not much. Um, there's a bit of you, you hardly call that a Q car. But there's a there's a there's a slice of what we're saying that kind of plays to what we all like about Q cars, which is yeah, they're actually they're carrying a bigger stick than you realise, and it's just done in a beautiful way, and that's kind of the essence of a successful one. Two customers out there for you if anyone wants to build uh, yeah. some Xbacks. Uh, Manish, what's yours going to be? Oh, if I could get somebody to build a Mura that doesn't take off, that actually goes around <laughs> corners. That has brakes that work. That would be the dream car. It's interesting, isn't it? When you say that, that, that I think there is instinctively there are certain cars that are just off limits. No one is going to be brave enough to cock about with a Miura. No, no, you're just going to get hammered by everyone. Because you are. Because you are. Well, it's, it's not going to be as good, is it? No, no, no it'll be different. Be. Yeah, it's not Miura. Um, okay, either. we're going to move on to our two-car garage, which I'm going to read out <laughs> because it's uh, once again as. <laughs> Our premier two-car garage supplier, Mr. Neil Clifford, he's got some verbosity about him. This is a long bastard. This is very good. Um, your adorable twin sister has very disappointedly agreed to marry her very young, arrogant, annoying boyfriend, Mike. Remember that Christian name. He has been a complete pain in the ass to you for years. He's always been such a know-it on every subject, including cars, but he genuinely knows nothing and has awful taste. Oh, we know plenty of these, don't we? His equally annoying, wealthy, smug father, Mr. Hunt Senior, that's Michael Hunt Senior, has given you £125,000 to buy your new brother-in-law a surprise two-car garage as a gift from his rich daddy to be unveiled at the wedding reception. This is finally your chance to get your own back on this bastard with a two-car garage that is seen okay on the surface but they're both completely uncool and they're disappointed to drive and they come with large depreciation. <laughs> you need one four-door family commuting car and one two-seater convertible from any era. It's time <laughs> for revenge. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, I don't know what frame of mind you're in, Mr. Clifford, but this week, you, there's an anger here. I've not seen it before. It's brilliant. 
I'm loving it. So I reckon I normally go last, but I've got a funny feeling we're all going to choose the same cars. So I'm going to go first and make your lives difficult because I've got a funny feeling there's some duplication here. Right. So my, I, I'll explain my, my thinking behind this. I think the people that, that want to look like they know it all, but ultimately don't know it all, tend to be uncovered or they tend to be undone by smaller details. It's not actually that they just buy the wrong car because they're not that stupid. And what's so disappointing is the ones that they get quite close to it, but they're a million miles away. Yeah. That's why the first car on my list is a 993 Porsche, right? Yeah. He thinks he knows it or he thinks I'm, I'm last of the air cooled. But he's bought the Targa with a Tiptronic. <laughs> yeah. okay, that's what I'm giving him. I've given him that awful glass hardtop that weighs a fucking ton. So it ha- it's got none of the rigidity of the coupe. It wobbles like a convertible. It's got that useless electric roof that goes wrong. And it's got that tragic, tragic Tiptronic gearbox. So he's having one of those. And he's going to turn up to a 911, a Porsche meeting. And he's going to think he's part of the club. And everyone's going to be going, wrong Okay. Yeah. My second car. This was tough. This was tough. Because at face value, this is a good this is a good car. But on a so you've spent what forty grand so far, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I've got I've got eighty left. So I've gone. I've been offered by a friend who's in the trade. <clears throat> I've been offered <laughs> a Ferrari FF. Okay, it's out of warranty. It's got a couple of lights on the dashboard, and it's <laughs> it's got some problem with this funny front gearbox thing that no one really knows anything <laughs> about. Okay, but you can fix it for a couple of quid. It'll be fine. Anyhow, this FF, the problem is the FF is cool, whichever way you look at it. But for me, the FF in black with blacked out windows and some aftermarket wheels very quickly becomes uncool. It's and that's so what this car is. It's, it's a really nice, it's a, it's a full gangster, murdered out black car. It's got the wrong interior and it's horrible. And what I'm describe the interior. But before, the, the interior is sadly Nero with Nero. That's the worst <laughs> of the black car. It's just all black. It's wrong. He thinks he's a gangster and he's just a tool. But before I hand it over, I'm going to give it to someone like Mansoor and have him develop a special rear wing to go on the roof for it. So yeah. he's, going to have, he's going to have a ticking fucking mechanical bomb that looks like shite. Um, and I think, and, and do you know what? I hate the bastard, so I really hope it goes wrong for him. See, I don't think that, I think that's... I, uh, yeah, that's well done. You've gotten some good headspace there. Yeah. I think you can be crueler than that. Yeah. You? Okay, Neil Clifford, please tell me you were going to choose an FF. No. I oh, wasn't. damn! No. I wasn't. Sure. Do you want me to talk about th- this now? Do you want me to? You know no, what? Uh, Obviously, I really love him, really. This is, <laughs> this you is, love everyone. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just can't be a bastard. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy him two resto mods. That, you know, as we all know, resto mods go up in value. And there are many, there's, you know, the Singer and Gunter Works and all these guys. But there, there's also some that happen in the UK as well. And this is a very special Le Mans edition 964 Targa Tiptronic. That is, that, uh, one of one. Now, we all know that one of one is highly valuable. And you put that on collecting cars. They go crazy for one of ones. So this has been painted in golf blue, you know, the golf oil colours. But it's also had the orange wheels. It's got the stripe down the side because it was particularly designed for Le Mans. 993 ruffled leather seats. He's updated the seats, so the car is even more valuable now. It's got 993 seats with orange stitching. 
and it's only got a stop. I stop. I can't breathe. Stop stop doing this to me. It's not fair. It's it's only got 125,000 miles on the clock, but. Unfortunately, in the garage fire from the guy that he bought it from, they lost the service book. <laughs> Frankly, but I hate 70, those fires. Seventy nine 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 five. It's an absolute bargain. So, how can, I'm, how can you say this without <laughs> causing breath? It's going to match his golf shoes and his <laughs> sunglasses and a jacket, and he's going to look absolutely fantastic at Goodwood Bre- Breakfast Club. But so that's the sports car. He's going to be over the moon with it. It's going to be incredible value. It's probably going to be worth 150 grand in a few years. But the, for the four door, there's another resto company that make incredibly beautiful cars, um, and they do Jaguars. I don't know whether I don't know whether you've seen these uh, Jaguars. I won't mention the name, but they're made in New Zealand. Oh, I know the Mark it's II. A, it's called a Mark II Jaguar, and it yeah. makes it takes a Mark II 3.8 and makes it better. It's an XJ40 innards in it, exactly. Yeah. And we found one of these again. It's only got I think ninety-seven thousand miles on the clock, and nine owners, and it. But it's the rare, super rare automatic <laughs> J Gate. And and this is thirty nine 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 five, and again, I think that will double in value. And I've got five grand left actually, and I'm going to sneak in another car because it totally explains his character: the Plymouth Prowler convertible <laughs> in purple, five nine nine five on piston heads, and he's actually got three cars for one hundred twenty five grand. I'm going to be so happy when his father in law hands them over. <clears throat> What I'll a, tell what you what, kids, if ever you want a lesson in sarcasm, come to our podcast. Right, <laughs> Chris Cooper. You. No, I think you can be, so I was torn with this because it is your adorable twin sister, but he is a total member of the Cambridge University netball team. And they're clearly very, very pleased with themselves. And it can't be that obvious. So you kind of want to say to them, you want to say to Mr. Cambridge Hunt Senior. University netball. Oh, I get it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've Not done more. right by you because I know about cars. So I've done right by you. I've got you a Range Rover and a Maserati. Yeah. What yeah. could possibly go wrong? They won't notice what's coming. So the Maserati has to be a Ghibli diesel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I had that written down as an idea. Ghibli well diesel. Does that yeah. exist? Yeah, 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 sadly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. No, I remember it. Matthew down in Matthew Swindon. Matthew tried to sell me one of these. Yeah, Matthew yeah, tried to sell me one of these as well. He's still trying to find people. <laughs> yeah. He said, I've got 35 of them out the back. Do you fancy one? Could you take one now? Ghibli Diesel. They won't know what's coming. They'll turn it, they'll start it up, and it'll just be, it will be horrific. And the Range Rover will be a two-litre diesel Evoke convertible. Oh, beautiful. Because oh. that rattly old ingenium four-cylinder two-liter diesel they'll think they'll just see this evoke and they'll just think that's the coolest thing in the world you've got a bit of money left left. there's a bit of money left over so i haven't finished yet so i thought god to be particularly cool and to think that you've really done right one you'd probably want some personalized number plates Mm. so Mm. what better place to look than collecting cars so i found two plates that have been sold on collecting cars that i thought were Absolutely right for the job for these people here, particularly because they're such know-it-alls. 
So the first plate was B19NOB. Yeah, that, that was the most famous one, Big Knob. Which, yeah, so... And the I other can't one was, believe, I cannot believe we can sign that, Edward Lovett. You should so sure. And the other one, which would go on the... I think it should go on the... Um, I think it should go on the Evoke, this one. I think this is right on the Evoke. A11GOB, all gob. <laughs> yeah. That's a so good all gob and on a Maserati diesel. I mean, it would take a while to sink in quite what you'd done to them. Yeah. And that would be just so juicy. <laughs> Deary me. This, I like this. This I like this sub, sub, subversive, nasty. It's a brilliant one. Uh, Manish, how horrible are you going to be? Not maybe as nasty as that. I, I don't like this guy because he wears half mast drain pipe gray jeans. Okay, that is my the really skinny ones. Oh, I hate those. Oh, I hate yeah, those. Absolute pan. And when they put some form of slip-on shoe at the bottom, that is just the worst because those are almost driving shoes. They're sort of yeah. supple leather, and he can drive. Um, I I think you know what I would what I would tell Mister Know It All is this car was really modelled on a Bentley because it's really big. And it's just got that presidential quality to it. And if it's silver with exactly the right leather interior, no you can going. pull it off. But you have to buy him a Chrysler 300C. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No shit. They don't even make it in right-hand drive. It, it would be left-hand <laughs> drive. It's big. It's just horrible. He'll never get out of a junction alive. Not in that car. Okay, I mean, just never will. They are so ugly. It, when, when Luca was president of Ferrari, he actually was driven around in that because of the amalgamazione. It was just such a bad car. It sat like some hideous pustule in the Ferrari kind of forecourt. It was just the worst looking thing. But I think he'd think it's great. And I think because it's not that expensive a car, I reckon I could hire him a chauffeur for six months as well. Like yeah. properly uniformed. You know, you would look like the absolute tool. A guy in a grey suit with a little peak cap just opens the door for you. Let's say you literally think you're driving a Bentley, the total knobbery. As 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 um Neil said, you know, you want that guy to make a reservation at Scott's, don't you? Turn up and be told who are you? Because he gets out of the car. That's what you want. Really embarrassing. And then the other car, which I think looks uh, that's about sixty thousand dollars, which um probably 60,000 pounds. But what I did find for 65,000, well, you know, 45,000 pounds, what I did find for 65,000 pounds was an absolute gem, a 1991 Ferrari 348 oh, yeah. GTS shitbox. Yeah, that is a shitbox. And you want to get that in the Montezemolo Maranello yellow. Okay, that's what you want. You just... Black leather interior. I mean, he's just going to think he's born again. Can I throw a spanner in the works here? Go on. I think any Ferrari is cool. Oh, come yeah. on. Not that one. Not that one. No. If you gave me a Jello, I would happily drive around in a Jello Fly 348. Three, I just would. It's a Ferrari. I just, if people say it's shit Ferrari, I go, what's your Ferrari? Yeah, I've got one. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so good. This car, listen. The, the Oracle at Delphi told us it's a shit box. It's a yeah, shit. He enough. can go around driving this car, pretending to be really, really cool. Okay. But it's not really, really cool. It's got the interior of a Fiat, whatever. It's flexible. It doesn't. And, and imagine being blown away by Volkswagen Golf GTIs day in, 
day out. I mean, Mike would deserve that. So they would be the T-shirt boxes. There you go. They've been told. Their life has been reduced to that. Awful bastards. Uh, Edward, love it, you? I've got no music, so I might have to dial out straight after I've given you my uh, my my vote. So I thought about it to start with, and I thought, obviously, you said, you know, well-to-do, the father's wanting to be very generous. So I thought, you know, they're, they're you know, then... They probably don't see themselves as too chavvy. So I was thinking like the low end, the E43 AMG in white with red leather and blacked oh, out yeah. wheels and black wheels. And, and I thought, you know, that's only 30 grand. And then and then I was thinking something soft top, but they'll probably go out on the with the cans behind their wedding car in it and crash it into a ditch, which would be like a Viper, Series 1 Viper or something like that. <laughs> But then I thought, no, I, I Mike Hunt. Sorry, you're, you're bringing actual injuring them into this. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no that was, I'm I was sort that. of thinking that. And then I actually thought, no, I really don't like Mike Hunt. And then I also, Mike Hunt Sr., you know, I, I've always found it's very difficult to be successful in life. And when you've got a father-in-law that's like, yeah, yeah I made loads of I made millions. It was so easy. And then, you know, you want, and then he says to you, he doesn't want to give you any money. But he's like, if you ever got a sound investment, yeah, you come to me, my son. I, you know, I'll I'll give you some money. We'll go ask on the profit, you know, whatever. So when he's called me, say, look, I've got 125 grand because he's done well, but he's from Essex. Wait, so who, who, who's calling you? No, Mike Hunt is calling me, senior. Mike Hunt, senior, is calling me. And look, I've got, I've got 125 grand and I want you to get, you know, little Mike, a uh, a wedding car. I want you to get him two actually. A family four seat family car and a convertible. Um, gets yeah, a good deal though. You know, somebody's got a profit, and we don't want it to depreciate much. <laughs> so I went away for a week and did a bit of research. And a bit of me is a good Samaritan. So I wanted to you know, obviously I'm going to be putting quite a lot of money into someone's hands for you know two cars, maybe one car. So I was doing a bit of research because I knew little Mike would want something quite snazzy. So I thought, I bet you'd like a Rolls Royce. And I bet you'd like a drop-top Rolls Royce, like oh, a Corniche. Yeah. So I found a scrap dealer in Devon that very unfortunately bought Jimmy Savile's old Rolls Royce <laughs> Corniche. Oh, God. So anyway, he paid a hundred... <laughs> he paid 160,000 quid for that. So I called I called I called Mike Hunt senior to say right Mike you said to me to call you if I've ever got a good investment. I've got a car but it's 160 grand not 125 grand. So can you give me a bit more money? Edward, if you think it's a good deal, you go get it my son. So I put 160,000 quid into Jimmy Savile's <laughs> Rolls-Royce Cornish convertible. We only need one car because we stretched the budget. That's going to be unveiled. They're, they're going to have the, I'll leave the V5 on the seat so they can put their name in. I'll, I'll actually, I'll fill out the V5 in their name, ready to send off when, when they do it. And I'll pay for the tax out of my own pocket as well. And so, uh, uh, yeah, when they come to sell it, we'll see how they get on. I um that is amazing. It, it has been nice having a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it. It was good. While it's it over, isn't it? It is over. How do- Ed would love it. I don't know where you he get it. He said, from. I don't like the guy. There, you know, we got a guy that, you know, a obnoxious father, and you want something that's heavy in depreciation. I've delivered. I have how did delivered. your sister, how did your sister get mixed up with this lot? 
<laughs> unbelievable. Here we She'll go. be all right. She'll I'll be all right. We'll put a picture up of Jimmy it's Savile. His twin sister. We're moving on to some music now. Neil Clifford, can you calm us down, please? Okay, I'm going. I'm I'm taking my responsibility of the '90s very, very seriously. The one band I haven't ever talked about is the Stone Roses. Now, the Stone Roses only did two albums. Can you believe it? And I was, I was, I didn't really, I don't know why I missed the first album, but the second album is just fantastic. Um, and the first track is 11 minutes long, so it's sort of a stairway to heaven or a Bohemian Rhapsody of the 90s called Breaking Into Heaven. And you can just, you can play the bass to this driving, you can play lead guitar, you can drum, you can sing. It is a masterpiece and uh, and everyone should enjoy it. It's bloody fantastic. There we go. I feel fi- I feel a bit cleansed, finally. Chris Cooper. So, 90s are big in my thinking this week. Um, in 1992, Melody Maker, very sad loss, Melody Maker, got amalgamated into New Musical Express in 2001, kind oh, of part yes, of a website, and it's just gone. Yeah. So smash hits in the 80s, Melody Maker in the 90s, just great, great, great mags and great loss. In 1992, Melody Maker described this band as the best British band of the 90s. Suede. And their second album coming up was just unbelievably good. And it wasn't a single, but She, track She, just fantastic. Really, really just... Yeah, I struggle with it in a car though. It's the way it's produced. It never seems to sound quite right in a car. Oh, I think it's just I love it. I used to when yeah. I was driving back and forth to Germany when I was first racing there in the Caterham Europe thing. We had CD players in the car. That's when I had was it? there and back. Brilliant. Very good. Manish, we going classical or modern? No, we're going classical. Handel Saraband, made famous by the film Barry Lyndon. It's just <clears throat> they've used it in a couple of commercials. I can't remember which ones, but it's just big and portentous and it can mean all kinds of things uh, but the moment where it's best used i think in um in the movie is when he loses his little boy patrick there's a sudden cut to uh, a tiny coffin and it's being pulled along and you realize it's not a full-size coffin it's a child's coffin and it's being pulled by two sheep it's very very it can be a very very dark piece Ooh. that's where i'm at God, I'm going to lighten the mood a bit because um, I sometimes try and be too clever and sophisticated with music and I always fail and I always got a few go-to tracks that if I'm in a car, they always make me smile. And I think Stevie's, for once in my life, always, always oh, yes. smile. Yeah. I think it's perfection. It's pop perfection. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Sorry there was some Saxon in there. We don't use the vernacular very often, but sadly, there's a certain combination of Christian and surname that does sound like a swear word. And we apologise on behalf of Edward Lovett, who kept having to repeat it. Um, uh, when you, well, the, the afternoon that you hear this, we'll be doing our first live recording of a podcast. We're all very nervous about that. So those of you that are coming, thank you for your support, and we'll do our best to entertain you and feed you some pig roast or non-pig roast if you don't eat pig. Um, thank you for joining us for number 26. We hope there'll be a number 27. Well, there is. It's being recorded. 28, still up for Who knows? (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.